Chicago's new mayor is blaming cars for car thefts. The Biden administration is going after your beer. Plus, the leftist assault on education continues. All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a great week. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson because he is quickly showing that he is so much worse than Chicago's previous mayor, Lori Lightfoot. Now, just let that sink in for a moment. With Lightfoot, you had a racist mayor under whose watch crime skyrocketed, businesses closed, and left-wing politics became the norm. Lightfoot faced re-election, and rather than changing course, the voters of Chicago simply said, we don't like Lightfoot, so we're going to elect someone even more Marxist and even more radical. That's Brandon Johnson. With Johnson, you have a mayor that continually downplays violent crime and mob activity. Teenagers take over an area of Chicago and destroy storefronts and cars. Johnson blames everything else other than the people committing the crimes. Johnson speaking publicly for the first time about weekend violence that caused chaos in downtown Chicago and along the lakefront. Johnson denied he was sending mixed messages over the weekend in a statement where he said the violence can't be condoned, but also said it was not constructive to demonize youth. Today, he was doubling down on that sentiment. So don't give people false choices. We get to do both, you all. It is well past due that we put an end to this dynamic that somehow not make it... Look... Demonizing children is wrong. That was about four months ago. Just a few weeks ago, Johnson refused to refer to out-of-control mobs as mobs. The mayor responded this way, though, when someone characterized it as mob action. That's not appropriate. We're not talking about mob actions. I didn't say that. What, what I, okay, what I'm... Hold on a second, okay? Respectfully, these large gatherings... These large gatherings, just hold on a second, y'all. I promise you, we have time to talk. It's important that we speak of these dynamics in an appropriate way. This is not to obfuscate what is actually taking place. This was the scene near Roosevelt and Canal Sunday night. Groups looted a convenience store. More than three dozen teenagers were arrested along with a 12-year-old and at least one 20-year-old. Nothing to see there, just a peaceful, large gathering. Well, there's another aspect of the runaway crime situation in Chicago that is now getting attention, and that is car thefts. Car thefts have increased dramatically over the past year, and Johnson blames the cars. That's right. It's not the criminal's fault. It's the car makers. The most popular types of cars being stolen in Chicago are Kias and Hyundais. So Johnson is suing those car companies because they are just supposedly too easy to steal. Mayor Johnson saying, quote, the failure of Kia and Hyundai to install basic auto theft prevention technology in these models is sheer negligence. And as a result, a citywide and nationwide crime spree around automobile theft has been unfolding. As motor vehicle thefts are up in the city, 104% year over year. Look at that, 19,000 car thefts. Can you believe this? Over 19,000 car thefts and instead of cracking down on criminals, Chicago liberals are not prosecuting crimes. They're downplaying the significance of violent mobs and now are suing car companies for their cars being stolen. Here's Chicago Alderman Raymond Lopez with reaction. 
clearly we don't have a crime problem. We have a Kia problem in the city of Chicago, according to Mayor Johnson. Right. And, and the numbers speak for themselves. A 104% increase from last year, a 234% increase in vehicle thefts from two years ago. But yet it's the car's fault. It's the fact that they are so easily taken by criminals who run rampant in the city of Chicago. But we have yet to hear our mayor say anything, word one, about the criminals running rampant in our streets. And all he does in turn is lambast the media, lambast those who try to hold criminals accountable by playing word games with individuals. Seriously, it's the car's fault? The lawsuit against Kia and Hyundai basically states that the cars are too easy to steal, which is a very bad message to be sending to car owners. Essentially, Brandon Johnson is telling Chicago residents that it's their fault that their cars were stolen because they bought cars that are easy to steal. Where have we heard that kind of message before? It sounds eerily similar to the short skirt excuse that prosecutors would use to get some violent rapist not to be convicted. Oh, you wore that outfit? I guess you are to blame. Wrong. The criminals are to blame, period. And the more Johnson sends a message that Chicago is soft on crime and coddles criminals and dismisses mobs as large gatherings, then the crime situation in Chicago will continue to get worse. All right, next let's talk about new proposed beer guidelines. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search out my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next let's talk about beer and the Biden administration's thoughts about it. Turns out that Dr. George Koob from Biden's National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism is looking to tighten the guidelines on alcohol consumption and move the U.S. more in the direction of Canada. The National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism director, Dr. George Koob, says the new guidelines could match Canada's, which advise people to limit consumption to just two drinks per week. Current recommendations for women are one beer, small glass of wine, or one shot per day. Men can have two. Wow, from 14 drinks per week from a man down to two. Those are the guidelines that the Biden team is looking at. Of course, when asked about this, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre just laughed it off. Uh, <laughs> Dr. George Koop, who is the uh, director of the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, oh. says the US may soon follow Canada and recommend just two beers a week. How do you guys think that's going to go? Let me over? tell you what I'm not going to get involved in, in, uh, in, that, in that question right there. I, I have no idea. I've not seen the data. Uh, I cannot speak to this. Uh, I will leave it to the experts and not weigh in. She's going to leave it to the experts and not weigh in. She sure does make light of this whole thing, doesn't she? And the panel during the Fox News segment had some lighthearted reaction as well. Uh, you had Dr. Siegel on, which was interesting. Yes. Um, so later in this article, Dr. Dan Malik says that they discount that alcohol infuses many lives in a positive way, the social <laughs> aspect. Maybe it's reaching, but Dr. Siegel seems to Well, yeah, Dr. Siegel said there's something for relaxing and that when your heart rate is racing and you don't relax, that's not good for you either, and that wears on you and is aging. But listen, when the government told me that I could not eat raw cookie dough anymore, I stopped listening. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not going to take that away from me. Um, so we'll just have to see how this plays out moving forward. Forward, but I think there will be a lot of non-compliance. Yes. I think it's going to be a recommendation, so everybody will have to decide for themselves. I, I, the reason I use that clip is for a couple of reasons. One, yes, people will likely just ignore any near new beer guidelines that recommend such a limited intake. The other reason 
is what Fox News host Shannon Bream said at the end of the clip. I think it's going to be a recommendation, so everybody will have to decide for themselves. Sounds like common sense, but here's the thing. The CDC can't impose anything on anybody. The organization can only issue guidelines. And yet, look what happened with those guidelines. They were taken as absolute mandates, laws on stone tablets, and used by businesses, schools, restaurants, and other gathering places to impose mask mandates, vaccine mandates, arbitrary social distancing, and more. Oh, but don't worry. Those are just guidelines. Now, with the push to limit meat consumption because of the climate, we might all find ourselves eating bugs and not even having a beer to wash it down. All right, next let's talk about America's government-run schools because there is really no better place to witness how Marxist ideology is completely taking over an institution and transforming it into an activist training ground. Marxism is all about activism. It's not how much you know or how well you know something. It's how active you are about forcing change, forcing revolution. It's exactly what happened in China with the communist takeover. Children were groomed to value the government more than their own parents. If the parents didn't fall in line with communist propaganda, children were taught to turn on them, to turn them in to the government. Now, in America's government-run schools, we see that children can't read or write or do math, but they can march out and protest for climate change. Lessons more and more frequently involve activism, perversion, and topics to tear down society as we know it. Check out this example from Nashville. Today, parents in White County schools want to know why a teacher assigned an eighth grade class a writing prompt about killing someone. Our Lydia Filder has those answers, and Lydia, make this make sense. Yeah, Marius, it is a wild story. About an hour ago, that teacher actually emailed out an apology to parents, some of whom are still outraged this happened, and that they were never even told their student was asked to write about murder. That's right. This teacher designed an assignment geared toward murdering another person. What was this teacher thinking? And yet we see more and more of these bizarre assignments all the time. Here's more details. It's wrong all across the board. A teacher at White County Middle School assigned her eighth graders this prompt on the second day of class. It reads, I never meant to kill her. I only wanted to hurt her, but now her ghost follows me everywhere. This week, my son um, came to me and decided not to do an assignment. Brought to light by a mom at the August school board meeting who says the school never told the parents about it. Guilt and murder. These are themes for eighth graders? Luckily, a group of parents stepped in and spoke out. How could someone possibly think this was a good idea to give a child an assignment about killing someone or severely hurting someone? But then again, more and more often we are seeing schools doing things like this. A public school system in Michigan facing backlash after it spent three weeks teaching adults in the district how to be good equity allies. Day 18 of their equity challenge linked to a list of microaggressions to avoid including calling America the land of opportunity. They also urged parents to join a Black Lives Matter or affiliated protest. Yep, America is the land of opportunity is now a microaggression. It's insane, but the left knows that with children, they have a captive audience, hours and hours every single day. And that's why we are also seeing increased pressure by the left to completely remove parents from knowing what their children are doing. We are seeing more and more cases of teachers or counselors 
actively aiding confused children into perpetuating this notion that a girl can become a boy or a boy can become a girl, and then withholding this overt grooming and interference from parents. In the Katy Independent School District outside of Houston, the school board recently voted on a measure that said parents must be informed if their child seeks to essentially live a different life, a different gender identity at school rather than at home. Parents have a right to know this. Parents are responsible for raising children, not teachers, not schools, not government. The measure thankfully passed, but only by a four to three vote. We have so much work to do to turn our schools around. We are making progress, but we are what we are taking on is the results of decades of work by the left. Teachers are being taught in Marxist ideology, and they bring that ideology into the classroom. I was at the Katy board meeting where this vote occurred, and every single teacher who testified was opposed to the policy of informing parents what is going on with their children. Think about that for a moment. We can win this fight, but it will take all of us speaking out and getting involved. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, today's show's one sheet is available to Patreon supporters using the link in the description. The one sheet gives you the links to all the videos and stories used on today's show, so you can dive even deeper into each issue. And with that, our next show will be Friday evening at the usual time. Until then, I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.